0: Hey guys, my name is Ben Berman and welcome to the Starting It Up podcast where I interview all types of entrepreneurs, uncovering actionable steps and inspiration that you can use to build your business, your side hustle, whatever it is that you're trying to create and live the life you've always wanted hey what's going on guys welcome to the podcast uh we're back for round two <laughs> with uh, with Mike Murtocchi. you know last time we, we left off uh, we were talking about you know Mike had started swag up you know they were experiencing a lot of early difficulties they they uh, were burning through money and um, they they really needed to get that customer to, to really take them off the ground and they found it in, in consensus you know we're gonna jump right back into it I'm gonna hand it over to you Mike tell us a little bit about those early days how you know you guys got into the game really you know established yourselves and then uh you know walk us into uh where you guys are right now
1: yeah these are always my the most interesting like things to talk about and listen to like i love the how i built this podcast i think i told you last time yeah like listening it's not interesting to hear how a company went from like 100 million to 500 million like what's interesting to me is like how they go from nothing to 1 million like because that's the hardest thing in the world i for sure I like to go from nobody knowing anything about you, not having any idea what you're going to be doing to making a million dollars like that. Like it's very hard to replicate that. So, so I think there's a lot of lessons you can learn. And, and for us, um, it took a while. I think we didn't make, I I'm, I'm trying to remember back until we made like our first million dollars, like we're 20 months old at this point. I think it took us like it didn't happen in a year I think it was like 13 months or something it took to get to a million dollars now we're at like over 4 million in the last eight months or whatever um kind of crazy but yeah and in, in the beginning it was just like me and my buddy out of my my mom's garage basically that we turned into a warehouse and and kind of just put up a website on wix and use the type form to get to see if we get any traction the thing is I worked at a VC firm for a little bit for a few months beforehand and I had already put up a Wix and a type form and, and just mm. randomly started to get traction without even like really having ads or anything. Yeah. Um, and we did a little bit of testing with like Facebook ads and and Google ads. In the beginning it was just Facebook because that's kind of what I was used to. Um, but the thing I, I noticed with Facebook was that I was just getting a lot of garbage, like a lot of bad leads. <laughs> um, a lot of like mom and pops that yeah. wanted.
0: Is that because like you didn't really know Facebook ads that well or just uh, the way the I think it was because I was
1: being lazy. I think, you know, you can't with, with Google, there's an intent. It's a whole different ad. You put, it, you put it up, people who are searching for it will come get it. But if you just put like a simple picture ad or just text ad on Facebook, it doesn't perform in the same way because Facebook is like very much a social network. And you kind of have to have, you know, a long-term strategy with your ads on Facebook. You have to like, you know, put out some content first. You have to give some free advice, some, put out a video, retarget those people, give them a free sample then finally get them to buy. You can't just be like, "Hey, we sell swag packs. Come buy from us." Like, you'll get lucky with a couple people, but it's it's much more difficult. Yeah. So, you know, if, unless I was like, unless we're gonna like fully dedicate to like really building out a real strategy on Facebook, like let's stop doing this and put all of our money into Google Ads because I was starting to see some some results from it, like actual real companies. Like, I think one of the first big companies to reach out to us that I got crazy about was um, Soylent. Um, you know the the company that makes like those soy based like protein shakes that everyone oh, yeah. like drinks <laughs> in Silicon Valley. It's like the the food of startups. Yeah, over I've never there. had one, so I'm yeah, sure, I, it, don't really know. I don't even think they taste that good. But it was just really interesting to see them reach out. But so yeah, we just basically you know started with a you know a Wix website, which no joke we still use today. Like we've built a lot of technology on top of it that like redirects and stuff. And we're gonna yeah. we'll probably get off of it soon. But like wix has evolved so much that you can really do anything on it like it's yeah like i think there's a lot of like snobby people that are that would look at wix and be like oh that's garbage technology or like that's stupid but for people that aren't super tech savvy and want to start a business or want to test an idea like use go on wix there's no point to like pay people thousands and thousands of dollars to build mm-hmm. you something that you can drag and drop in 15 minutes yeah 100. You know, I still use it to build out little like landing pages for clients, like if they want to, you know, have a form to like, request some swag and stuff. Like it's, it's super good. And then Typeform was just like a really nice way of, you know, allowing people to build their pack with us, um, in in a way that kind of looked good and and kind of flowed well in a way that like a Google form wouldn't be able to do it. So kind of the combination of those things, like we did that for the the first we just got off type form like a month ago. Like we just had oh, to yeah. build our own form. So it's crazy. But, but yeah, like you said, the first, it was, it was tough in the beginning. And at, at no point did I ever get kind of like down about it. Like things take time, but I, I was just looking at it the other day. I think the first month we did like $10,000 in sales. And then the next month we did like $8,500 in sales. And I had, so, wait, um,
0: so like, from from your perspective, you know, like say say you do ten k one month and then the next month it goes down, what what's going on in your head at that point? Do you think like maybe that ten k was a fluke? Maybe it's going to keep going down, or what what are you thinking?
1: No, I, I don't know. I I didn't really think about it that much. I think I think we just had like a big deal or something in the first month that was kind of like an outlier, um, and to me at the time I didn't really have much money and I never had like a a real job or anything like that. I worked <laughs> as I was like an entrepreneur working with NFL player and we did really well but I never had something like fully my own. And, and then to see even $10,000 kind of felt like a little bit, like, like something decent, you know? Like yeah. It, it's, if you annualize that, I'm like, oh, $120,000. And if you put a multiple on that, like my company's worth a few hundred thousand dollars, like it, feel, it felt kind of significant. Um, yeah. And one of the things we did early on was we also had a, a WeWork office in the city. I don't know what it was about it. I, I split it with my buddy, a four person WeWork. Yeah, by, which um, location? It was the one on um, 222 Broadway across the street from the Fulton Street one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah I walk, walk out. At a, yeah, you walk out and you can see the Freedom Tower. Yeah, I work and, at
0: uh, Eleven Park, which is like two blocks from there. Yeah. Right
1: now. I lo- it was cool. I, I, I don't know why. I My idea was like, you know, we'll be part of this WeWork community. You know, we'll be able to meet other companies. You know, we'll form a relationship with WeWork and maybe we'll be part of their like marketplace store and do some stuff for them. And um it didn't really materialize. I ended up like never even going. <laughs> my buddy who was working with me would go more than I went, but I would go like it was just a pain in the ass to commute. I just realized that like the time I was spending an hour and a half, two hours to get there and back is like I'd rather just work from home, save the twenty four hundred dollars a month or whatever I was paying, yeah, um, and just do it. So we did that for like two months, and that that kind of contributed towards some of that like burn rate. You know, that was that was my own money. I think it. I think when I started, I had like maybe thirty, thirty five thousand. And it was good because like it wasn't this wasn't like a business that you needed like a lot of money to start. Like I said, we just started on a Wix website, a type form. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to have any inventory. You know, we did minimal marketing. But that money still goes down pretty quickly. You know, yeah. I had a buddy working for me. I was paying him a little bit, nothing crazy. Um, and then the office for no reason having that and then a little bit of marketing. And then if you're only doing like ten thousand, eight thousand dollars in sales, um, you know, it's pretty Easy for that thirty thousand dollars to start to dwindle down. So I think, and then just like personal living expenses and stuff like that. So I think after you know three four months in, thing, I was starting to kind of run out of money, like I was telling you, and um, I never got nervous though. It's never like a situation where I'm like, oh, I think I'm gonna run out of money. I won't be able to run this company anymore. Blah blah blah. Like I always knew that we'd be fine, um, and that you know things kind of take time to materialize um but you know i was i think i was telling you last time like there was a moment i was in denver for um the giants were playing the uh the broncos and my dad creates like these road trip packages for sports teams and fans to go on the road with their favorite teams and so we went to denver to watch the giants and i had to like postpone my flight to the next day and i had to pay for it and it was gonna be like 300 dollars, and i was like I was like, oh, I only have like a 1000 or $2,000 left. I have the like these credit card points. I was like, so I traded him credit card points to pay for my flight. Um, so, so that's like kind of where yeah. where I was at at the time. And like I said, I wasn't like nervous or anything. Um, and just kind of by happenstance and, and luck, you know, consensus, you know, came across our website, sent, sent us an email and like, hey, you know, I've been trying to do this swag stuff by myself, this girl, this woman, Conwall was like their head of community at the time and she's like you know I've been trying to do swag by myself I'm up till five in the morning look at all these websites I have no idea what to buy you know I have to ship all this stuff all around the globe we're a global enterprise I need help like do you guys do this do you do storage do you do warehousing do you do fulfillment and I was like yeah 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 sure (laughs) whatever you want (laughs) consensus I've never heard of you but I just looked you up and there's some articles about you so we're just going to tell you yeah until like we make it happen and you know they became our first like major client um you know they went on to spend you know somewhere around like three hundred thousand dollars with us over you know a twelve wow. month period wow. anyway so we, we we're doing a lot of different stuff for them, like managing swag for employees, and managing swag, you know sending to conferences all around the con- uh, around the world uh trying to figure out global shipping. We had really no idea what we were doing in terms of shipping packages globally. You know, there's all this documentation that we had to figure out and mm-hmm. make sure you fill out the customs forms the right way and market that you're paying the duties and taxes and you have to declare what's in them so that you know customs knows how much to charge you and all this kind of stuff and we had no idea so there was t- tons of packages in the beginning that were just getting like lost or not getting through customs or um you know so we we were at one point doing all of their swag for globally for everything and then they started to kind of lose trust in us in terms of mm-hmm. like the international shipping. So we ended up just doing the U S stuff. Um, but, but yeah, it was just, you know, that was a, a lot of quick learning with them. Cause yeah. we kind of went from, Hey, we're doing 10,000. We're doing 8,000. We're doing 15,000. Oh, we're doing 40,000. Now we're doing 50,000. Now we're doing 80,000 mm-hmm. and not to say it was all of them, but we just started to kind of gain momentum from that point on. And I don't know if it was just cause we started to kind of hit our, Stride, and people started to learn about us, or you know we just got a little bit better, and you know somewhere in that point we kind of redesigned the website a little bit, and that helped, I think, but um, yeah, consensus definitely was like the the jumping off point for us,
0: yeah, for sure, um, and you know, like like you were saying, the theme there just seems to be that you're you know you're figuring it out you you you're not the type of person. Uh, and this is actually you know something that so many entrepreneurs talk about you know when you 're first starting up you 're not going to know how to do something or or most things, and you can 't actually really tell someone you can 't you don 't know how to do it because then they 'll just move on to someone else and give them the opportunity when when that opportunity is is presented to you, you have to take it. Uh, and you know you just have to figure it out somehow, and although you know there, there were speed bumps along the along the route you know packages were lost international wasn 't working out you know con- even a company like consensus that 's you know well known um you know pretty mature you know they 'll they 'll forgive you if if you 're you know in communication uh, with them if you 're telling them like what 's going on um and that 's just super important for everyone to remember like you know, you're not going to know how to do something, but if you really believe in yourself and your team and, and, and just your ability to figure things out, like you have to take that chance, um, you know, worst case scenario, you mess up, but like, you know, the upside is, is huge. And now can you kind of, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, where you guys stand right now? Like, um, you know, how many, how many employees do you guys have? I know the last time I was here, uh, you guys hired like a bunch of people since then. Uh, yeah. Where where are you guys at right now in, in terms of like a headcount?
1: Yeah, I think when you were here, we we're at like twenty. I think now we're at twenty five. You know, we brought on some some new developers. You know, as we continue yeah. to get more and more heavily invested in technology and um, some more account managers, just because we were dealing with kind of an influx of you know leads coming in and and weren't getting back to people quick enough, and mm-hmm. you know we really needed some more people to manage those accounts because it's very you know, every account takes a lot of attention. You know, it's very custom business, obviously. Um, and you've got to help them come up with ideas and help them find items and stuff like that. So there's a lot of back and forth interaction with clients. So, mm-hmm. you know, one person can only manage so many people. And that's why the technology is really important to help people kind of get at least as far along as they can without a person, you know, without a human helping them, an account manager. Um, so, so yeah, just knowing that, you know, we don't want to become a service business. You know, we want, you know, humans and account managers and everything to help, you know, especially with the big accounts. But if you become a service business, you're only going to grow as quick as you can grow with your staff how good your people are. And so that's why the future for us is mostly technology. It's both internal and external, you know, internal to manage our operations. You know, there's not a lot of good software for this industry you know, off the off the shelf, out of the box that helps you manage your, your processes and, and your workflows, you know, like some other companies or types of industries. So we kind of decided to build that from scratch ourselves um, just to manage, you know, purchase orders with vendors, you know, incoming orders, you know, the whole sales process, the warehousing component of things. Yeah. Um, so, so that's really, you know, important for us. And then, you know, building out, you know beginning the process of getting off of Typeform, like i said to building our own form which is still pretty rudimentary and basic now but will evolve over time to become really smart you know and have you know ai that helps suggest different items to people and you know helps them design things on the fly all that kind of stuff um as well as you know i i think the the big thing for us is is integrations with a lot of companies you know we kind of own the pack space you know swag mm-hmm. packs um, and there's lots of different use cases for it, whether it's onboarding new employees, you know, welcoming members to some sort of organization, you know, new students, whatever it is, like creating the, a platform and set of tools to make it extremely easy to build mm-hmm. those and distribute those and manage, you know, the inventory and all that kind of stuff um, is what we're going to continue to do. Um, and, and yeah, like where we are now in 20 months from where we started, it's, it's a whole nother... It's a it's managing a whole nother business. Like the skills that you have when you run a business where it's three people or two people or it's just your friends and you are very different than the skills you need to run a business that's twenty five people. You know that's doing, you know, half a million dollars a month or something. You know, it's yeah. it's much more about managing people and hiring the right people and putting people in the right place and defining roles and and you know all those types of things that there's was a twenty now I'm twenty four. Um, you know those aren't natural skills that I feel you're just born with you know there's things that you really need to like just immerse yourself in and start to figure out and you have to become really empathetic and you know think from other people's perspectives and you know really start to look at people and evaluate their talents and you become a coach much more than a player I think the first 18 months was me being, being a player and now I'm trying to be more of a coach Um, So it's, it's just coming in day to day is very different, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, you know, uh, like you said, it is, it is a transition that, that takes place somewhere along the line where, you know, you're no longer the guy like, kind of, you know, on the front lines, you're more in the back, you're, you know, planning the strategy, doing all that, making sure that everyone else is really, you know, doing what they need to be doing. And, um, it's super interesting. And I just like to ask, like what, what role, you know, it's, uh, you've only been in like this new ish role, um, for, for a few months now where you're way more, um, kind of big picture. So what do you prefer? And like, what do you kind of think, uh, best resonates with, uh, with your particular skill set? um well i'm still like
1: transitioning out of kind of being day-to-day like super involved with customers and like you'll never be fully out of it and like you shouldn't be you know especially like Mm -hmm. a company that's less than five years old it's less than two years old you shouldn't be but i think i'm more comfortable being involved in the in the day-to-day and actually doing the sales with the clients and sending out the mock-ups and you know doing those things but i know that the business will only ever get so big if i'm doing those things every yeah. day. So while while i might be comfortable, i'm i'm more uncomfortable doing things like training people and teaching people and i just i'm just not that good at it. Like i think <laughs> i think i'm getting better. Um i i i would just end up, you know, oh, i'm training you, but i don't really have that much time because i'm trying to get back to these clients or do these things or this is a priority when if you constantly think like that, you'll never get out of your own way and, and ability yeah. to like step back and think about the big picture because you can, you know, the the reason why CEOs get paid so much money at these big companies is because they're the final decision maker and they make decisions that have wide ripple effects. They can, you know, say a company like JP Morgan, one, one decision can lead to billions of dollars, you know. And you have to be in the best mindset and full focus to to make those decisions and really think about it. And you can't be bogged down day to day worrying about, you know, customers requests or or all these different things that happen that, that you're doing if you're taking on one of the roles you mm-hmm. know, in the in the position. So right, and I think that you have to be OK with not having a specific role and not always being so busy like you're going to be busy. But I think. One of the things too for like outsiders looking in is like they just think that, oh, you should, you know, the CEO, like, what what are you doing? Like, what, what's your contribution? Like, what's your role here? Um, but really, the more time you have to think as like the, the leader and the CEO, the, the better your organization is going to be, the more clarity you have. Like, you know, that's why all these like CEOs meditate and stuff. Like, you yeah, need, you need to be able to remove yourself because like it's so easy to get wrapped up every day because you're constantly just like, immersed in it and you don't have time to really understand what you're doing or or think about why why am I doing this um so so yeah I think I'm not as comfortable in, in this new position but you know for the sake of the company it's the the necessary kind of thing that has to happen you have to make that jump or else or else you're better off just hiring a CEO and, and going back to just doing the the job you know
0: yeah and I'm sure like when, when that if that happens it creates like a whole new set of problems where you know, there might be friction between like the new CEO and, and the, the founder and, uh, you know, d- definitely works sometimes, but for for the most part, like um, from what I've seen and like just for other companies, it is, uh, it can, cr- it can create a weird type of environment, especially for you guys, you, you guys are so early, like, and it's normal for, for the, the founder of a company, especially in a more like tech focused uh, company where like the founders, like a, you know, a coder or a programmer, like it, you see this all the time, like they're, skill set is, you know, building things and like, you know, they have to either kind of step away from that to an extent and really help their employees. Otherwise, like, you know, it it just isn't like, um, it's not a community. It's not a learning environment for everyone and those companies tend to fail. Um, So it's awesome to see that, you know, you're kind of stepping into this new role and and just like learning uh, as you go. Um, And now to kind of, you know, take another step back into to look at, you know, swag up, um, like from the point of view of like where you want this company to go in the next, you know, two, three, four, five years, like, what do you see you guys becoming? Um, and yeah, like what what, what do you see you guys becoming? Like, what's, you know, what's the plan? Is it to, um, you know, you have heard certain milestones that you want to hit and then maybe, you know, acquire some companies or or maybe get acquired. What's, uh, Mm -hmm. what's the plan there?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's such a big industry and it's also ultra competitive. You know, There's a lot of other companies in it. So you have to really be smart about like, what is the path that you want to take forward? And I think you know, we were smart about it, getting into it, you know, by I think you can never fail by listening to customers. You know, mm-hmm. if I think as an organization, you have to, you can't be set in stone to a certain path or a certain, you know, this is what we're going to do in two years and three years. Like you should have a vision of where you're going to go kind of, but, you know, to say that, okay, in 18 months, we're going to do this exact thing. And in 24 yeah. months, we're going to do this exact thing. Like, you know, the only thing that you can do is constantly give customers what they want, you know? So I think that that's really the main goal is just to never lose that, you know, ability to listen to customers and get clarity on what exactly they want us to build for them, you know, because it's worked up to this point, And I think, you know, markets change and, and, you know, desires change and demands change, but, what people want, like they're going to tell you, and as long as you continue to do that, you'll you'll survive. You know, and there's there's plenty of companies that kind of reinvent themselves and do and you know just do totally different things. I, I don't think that's going to be us. I think you know we're in a good spot and this is a good industry for innovation. You know, there's not a lot of technology in it. There's not a lot of like young innovative companies. Um, so you know, I don't see foresee anything major happening. I think you know just a few things that. You know, something that we'd really like to do is really just focus on employees, um, kind of being like the, you know, the go to employee swag company. You know, I don't don't think there's any swag company that really focuses on HR and and engagement and those types of like budgets and needs at companies. And I think they're becoming more and more important. I think companies are pouring more and more money into HR and employee engagement, satisfaction and retention, especially as, you know, the job environment becomes ultra competitive to acquire good talent and you know I think it's like out of the people who have degrees and stuff it's like one percent unemployment or like negative real yeah unemployment or something like so people can literally just get jobs anywhere so so making people really feel like they're part of a a tribe or you know when they get that message on LinkedIn like hey like you know I have these positions open at this company like they're paying 200,000 like would you like to join us like you want to build it in them where they're like, no, like, I love this company I'm already at, you know? You want them
0: to feel bad about even, like, thinking about it in in a way. Yeah, like, and that— Like, leaving a family.
1: Yeah, we want to be part of that. We want to be part of making, you know, indoctrinating people into the companies they work at to make them really feel like this is a special place that I belong here that, you know, kind of solidifying that bond early on. Um, And whether it's through swag or it's through something else over time, you know, we may evolve but i think if we can focus on listening to customers and and focusing on you know the employee engagement efforts and stuff like that um you know that that's where we'll be successful so you know i have ideas of what we want to build you know and ideas of what we're offered to these people but i don't want to get too attached to them you know Mm -hmm. we're going to build stuff and we're going to get feedback and you know we're going to continue to listen and and that'll be the approach like going forward i think
0: yeah, and, and I think it it comes down to those two things that you said, like listening to customers and, and building uh a team and employee engagement. I think like it's so basic but, but so many companies don't do that and um it's kind of it's kinda of obvious, like as you see like a lot of these startups who you know, you guys didn't raise any money, you didn't need to, but a lot of these companies, especially who have raised money and then slowly like fade away. They run out of cash, they can't really raise any more um it like kind of looks like they never did that you know they never really found out exactly what their customers wanted or they never even found customers um and they just weren't really in sync like the the company wasn't in sync internally so yeah
1: i think that's that's another big thing is like we've changed our hiring strategy and process to let's just get people that love this company and who we think are hard workers and are going to do a good job not like Oh, this person has relevant experience, like relevant in quotes, like we think they're relevant to this position and they they worked at this big company, so they're probably good. Let's pay them a lot. You know, they should perform. Like if people don't love what they're doing and they don't really buy into like your Mm -hmm. mission and they don't really, you know, just they should like be ecstatic that like you know the, we've had people that interviewed here that you know they've read articles about us or they've read articles about me and you know they look up the company and they're really excited about it and like that's what you want you want people that are here for the right reasons. Um, and when you have a whole team of people like that you know when there's really shitty days or you know they gotta stay late to finish something or a customer gets upset like it really bothers them personally and, and they want to fix it or they don't mind that we're all here together and they want to play basketball after work and they want to stay here till 10 o'clock and like watch a movie together and you know it, it starts in the beginning you, you've got to get the right people in the door to, to begin with and then all these other things like these employee engagement efforts will help but you can't turn a bad employee into a good employee just by you know giving them ping pong and some swag or something you know that just you know kind of solidifies and helps the good ones stay but um yeah so i i think you know listen to customers let's focus on hr and employee engagement efforts and let's make sure that the people who are here are here for the right reasons because like i said there's a million other jobs out there that they can get with their skill set like let them go there like we try to like scare people out of working here or or at least make them feel like they're not a fit and if they still think they're a fit then then that's fine Yeah. yeah then let's you should join us but you know we're you can't make the mistake of hiring for pedigree or, or experience because every company is different. You know, it's not just because you did well at one company doesn't mean you're going to do well here. And just because you did well at another company doesn't mean that you're the reason you did well at that company. You know, there's a lot of just because you sell software at Salesforce, Salesforce has a great brand and a, and a bunch of structure in place that helps you sell their product. You know, it doesn't make you good at selling swag to some company just because you worked at Salesforce. So then you got to keep that in mind too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's, it's very unique to, to you guys. Like it's not, and it's not like you guys are still like super early where you have like five people and you're kind of just, you know, picking your friends as employees. It's like you guys are a serious company here and it's just really cool to see that transfer to, to w- what a number you're at now, like 25, 30 people. And it looks like it's just going to keep uh, that, that like method methodology is going to stick. Um, yeah, it's, it's really actually interesting to just to see, like, that it's working out for you, and um, it's, it's fascinating. So one last thing that we can kind of end this on um, to kind of tie back to what we talked about right at the beginning. Like, what advice would you have for somebody who is, uh, you know, who feels like they want to be an entrepreneur? They might be either in school, at a job, mm-hmm. doing something that, you know, they like but, you know, aren't, you know, super into um, – and they just, like, want to get something off the ground. And, you know, the things holding them back are, you know, what if what if this doesn't work out? What if, you know, I, I like, embarrass myself and everyone finds out that, like, you know, I can't start a company because they have to, like, post it everywhere to, like, mm-hmm. gain attention? Like, what would you tell that person um, to kind of, you know, or, ma- ma- like, what would you tell them to kind of either realize, like, yeah, go for it or no, maybe this isn't for me? Um, and kind of just figure out a, a better path for themselves in in life.
1: Yeah, I know. Everybody should try it. I mean, you should know innately whether you're good or, at something or not, or if you're made out to to be an entrepreneur or not. Like you, I, I remember I was talking to Richard Branson once. Like I went uh, through a series of crazy wow, events. Okay. Like <laughs> I got to hang out with him once and for a day, you know, for like a few days. Oh and, shit! Uh, and, like on the island. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And, and basically, you know, he, he was saying like. If you haven't sold something by the time you're like I don't know if it's at 13 or 16, then you're not an entrepreneur. Like you know, it's just it's just in your nature. Like you you either are somebody who likes to self start and sell things to people, and you like to you know, like exchange and commerce, and like you just are. or You aren't. Um, I mean, there's plenty of people that are kind of like manufactured entrepreneurs. Like they went to a good school, then they went to Wharton, and they met up with other friends, and they started Warby Parker together, and yeah, there's people like that like it's like you're following kind of like a, a like a formula in a way to yeah. start a business and and there's plenty of people that can do that but you know honestly if if you're going to get a lot of enjoyment out of it and and be really good at it i think you have to kind of have sold something at some point in your life like whether it's to your friends at school or summer camp or maybe it's just because you got like a lot of jobs when you were 10 11 years old because you wanted to make money whatever it is like you know, even if it's trading baseball cards, something you know. Yeah. But but beyond that, you know, the one thing I would say to people is you have to be resourceful. You know, I'd say that's the number one thing you have to have in the very beginning. You know, you know, at 16 years old, 17 years old, 20 years old, 40 years old, whatever. Um, like it doesn't have to take a lot of money or, you know, all this. It's going to require effort, but you can test things without getting too heavily you know invested in it you know and you don't even have don't people don't even know about it that you did it like you can start a website and put up ads nobody has to know that you're the one that did it yeah you you don't have to be publicly
0: the issue is that it's like cool now you know what i mean to to be an entrepreneur
1: yeah if you think it's cool then then you don't have to worry about what people are going to think about it it's not cool
0: to fail though (laughs)
1: Sometimes now it is kind of a yeah, little actually. bit. <laughs> every podcast you listen to or every quote you see on Instagram is, "Oh, a failure is a stepping stone to success," <laughs> or "If you didn't fail, you're not succeeding." Like, so maybe failing is cool now. I don't know, but losing a lot of investors' money and stuff is not cool though. That's not fun. But yeah, people think, "Oh, I was able to raise five hundred million dollars. My company failed, but I'm successful." But I, I don't know about that. But I'm good at sales. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you just sold investors <laughs> to give you a lot of money, but you have your. I, I love the analogy. It's like you're selling a, a dollar for seventy cents. Like anybody can sell a dollar for seventy cents. It's very easy, you know. Uber did it for a long time, right? All these companies that lose hundreds of millions of dollars. Like you're selling something that costs you a lot more to make than what you're selling for. Like obviously, you're gonna get traction. You're gonna get a lot of users, and mm-hmm. you know, you're just lucky enough to get stupid investors to keep giving you money to hope that one day you can turn that into something. But but anyway, back to like you know, young people starting out. You just have to be resourceful, like. Like I said, we started with a Wix website that anybody can build. You know, you have free plans. I think we paid nine seventeen ninety nine or something to start it. You know, Wix I mean typeform you can do for free. Not to say that, you know, you can start every business on a Wix and a typeform, but there's always, you know, the Wix equivalent in every industry. You can start with like a three D modeled print of it. You can pre-sell it to people by creating a cool video. You know, you partner with a great videographer, and you say, "Hey, I'm gonna help. I'm gonna give you ten percent of the sales in the first month. Like, can you help me make a video? Like, you just have to get creative about things. I think a lot of people get stuck on, you know, that they're waiting on this one thing. They need this money from this investor. They need this, you know, person to sign on to my platform. I need this. They're always they're always one thing short yeah. of success, you know. And it's just just an excuse. It's just a crutch. It's a, an excuse. If you really think about it deeply, there's always a way around it, you know." If, if you need, like, I mean, we can go through a million situations, but in the end you have to get creative yeah and you have to figure out if I don't have this, how do I get it?
0: And the one thing is also like, if you can't even figure that out, what are the odds that you can figure out more complex problems down the line? Like this customer is about to leave. And if we don't deliver this, like in an hour, it's over. Like if you can't figure out how to, you know, create a website, then like you're, You already you've already failed. You know what I mean. You can't really. Yeah, everything comes
1: down to resourcefulness. Like you need to be able to do everything yourself in the beginning to be able to know that you can do it. You know, going forward. Um, So so yeah, that's the biggest thing. I think Tony Robbins says that a lot. Like, you don't lack resources; you lack resourcefulness. You know, if if you listen to any of these "How I Built This" people, none of like very rarely are the companies that are on that podcast are people that raised hundreds of millions of dollars or had a family member that was in the business before or whatever. They're all just people that solved the problem that they mm-hmm. faced in the most small way possible in the beginning. You know, they figured a small way out, a small way to do it. I one of the best stories of this is Airbnb. Air, Airbnb has gone on to raise hundreds of millions of dollars now, but that's not what it was in the beginning. Nobody wanted to invest in them. It's mm-hmm. like it's a crazy idea. You're going to sleep on someone's couch in their house, like yeah. nobody was going to invest in them. So what they ended up doing it was during a, a heated political um Yeah, you know, political times and they created like these like Obama o cereal and they sold like thousands of boxes of it, which gave them like fifty thousand or hundred thousand dollars, which they then used to start Airbnb and, and really gain traction and they just got they just got smart about things. You just have to be smart really. Like it's it's un- unfortunate, but like smarts matters too. You know, you have yeah. to get creative and you have to be resourceful and they could have easily said oh well we don't have any invest- investors so we can't do this or oh we don't know how to do marketing or you know they started selling cereal you know if they can sell sell cereal to start Airbnb then you should be able to figure something out you know
0: all right there you guys have it resourcefulness figure it out just just do um and like you know maybe maybe some people just aren't meant to be entrepreneurs there's nothing wrong with that you know right now it's it's like the coolest thing you can do is become an entrepreneur, become this like big like tech founder. But you know, there's plenty of people who'd be really great at being like an early employee, a mid stage employee, a late employee, and it's like, you know, just find out who you are and just kind of do you. you it's know, there's, hard. There's nothing it's, wrong with any of those it's options. It's
1: very hard. It's very easy to like be a fake entrepreneur to like have little businesses on the side where you've where it's never become anything substantial where you haven't had to hire people. Like, it's fun to do that. Like, you can tell people, oh, I have my own business. I'm an entrepreneur. You're really just a, like a freelancer, basically. <laughs> but, like, it's fun because it's not that much work. But when you have to, like, now hire a lot of people and you have a lot of customers and you're the final point of responsibility and you're the one that has to deal with it all, like, it's, I had a lot better days when I was doing nothing. Like, when I was, yeah. like, when I didn't have a, a company to run every day, when I could have, gone to the gym at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and i can go on this trip like you need to it's like takes a lot of dedication for a long time you know every single day like you don't just get to like take off you know on a thursday like i look the people that work here it's great they get to they can leave at five o'clock six o'clock and nothing is ultimately their responsibility and they can go on a one week trip in the summer and not have to worry about it like i wish i could but you can't. But but at the same time, people don't do things out of hostage. Like I want to build a big company. I want I want it to be successful. So I'm not saying like to poor me or anything. Like that's what I want to do. But you also have to recognize the reality of what it takes and like what what you're going to get yourself into if you become somewhat successful. You know, it's it it definitely requires a lot of your um, time, attention, and and it's mentally draining. But but I, I still love it.
0: It's worth it yeah i think it is all right awesome guys there you have it um really powerful stuff here uh, thanks again mike for for doing this no um you know it was awesome i really you know, appreciate your your time and just you know doing this a second time it's uh it's been really great so come um, back for the third time yeah let's week. let's do it again i mean i'll be here every week <laughs> we'll be co-hosts thank right. you man all right we'll talk awesome. soon Hey guys thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, go rate and subscribe to the podcast even share it with your friends if you found the lessons valuable. We do the show every week so stay tuned for more episodes and till next time.